Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. That's area code 914-803-4131. You can also join us in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com slash Radio, and you can join live in that chat. And you can also join us in the blogtalkradio.com chat as well, although not many people have been uh, hanging around there. So uh, usually most of the action's in the YouTube chat. So if you want to be in on most of the action, go to YouTube chat, but I'll leave this open just in case for anybody to to uh, chime in there as well. If you're listening after the live broadcast, uh, you can always leave your questions, comments, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. And so welcome to uh, Terry B. Thank you for joining, coming over from the show to come right over here. I appreciate that. Uh, it's awesome. Jolie, hey, how's it going as well? Uh, please remember to, uh, if you like the fact that Madison Cawthorn uh, got defeated in the primary last night, smash that like button as well. Show some solidarity with the anti-Cawthorn crowd. So, and, re- and remember, if you haven't subscribed yet to the channel, the best way you can support Liberal Dan Radio right now is to uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Make sure you can know whenever I go live, uh, there's going to be a special one coming up soon tomorrow, actually, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, Let's just talk about that now, I suppose. Uh, just some regular house, uh, not house cleaning stuff, housekeeping stuff, I should say. Uh, next week, uh, on the 25th of May, uh, we will have a friend of the show, House Sparks, will be coming back on uh, to discuss politics, all the goings on in the month of May. I'm sure we'll have some fun conversations about Madison Cawthorn and uh, his actions and lack thereof or whatever. Well, uh, I'm surprised that they actually removed a Nazi from Congress. That's that's just uh, I'm amazed at that. That's that's amazing. Uh, so that so we're gonna have Hal on. Uh, I'm sure it'll be another three-hour show because me and Hal can talk and we talk a lot and we like to talk to each other. So there you go. Um, also, tomorrow 
I'm going to be, I don't want to step on Hal's uh, too much. I don't want to step on his toes too much because I know he, he does a lot of videos where he watches conservatives, you know, talk and he criticizes. And I've done that before as well. But there's this one, uh, considering the fact that we still have, it's very new, still kind of new, the, the release of the Alito ruling, or the, at least the Alito, whatever you want to call it, the draft, even though I don't expect it to change much. Uh, the release of the Alito draft has sparked a lot of conversation. And uh, if you're familiar with uh, Stephen Crowder, he's a very conservative person. Uh, he's against abortion pretty much from day one, from, from you know six days, or he'll say it's a heartbeat. We'll go over that tomorrow. But probably tomorrow around 7 p.m., uh, maybe a little later, but probably closer to 7 p.m., uh, I will be doing a live stream where I'm going to be watching it live, and I'm going to be giving some criticisms that I find. I, I've watched a little bit of it, bits and pieces, but I haven't watched the whole thing yet, so some things may be surprising, but other things won't be. So if you want to join in that, it's going to be 7 o'clock, around 7 o'clock tomorrow uh, as well, where I'll be coming on live to go over his ridiculousness when it comes to uh, the questions he asks. Because I have this theory about a lot of the stuff that he does. And he, he'll have, like, he's the one with the memes where you you sit down and you say, he goes, something is something. Prove me wrong. And so everybody writes over that and be like, you know, pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Prove me wrong or whatever. But he's the guy sitting normally in the chair waiting to be proved wrong. And, of course, he doesn't allow himself to be proved wrong. He doesn't believe that his opinions are at all capable of being incorrect. And, but what I think is that he'll, he'll sit people down and he'll talk to them. And I've never seen somebody talk to him where he's like, oh, that's a good point. Oh, you know, well, you know, that's fine. Usually it's him trying to use some sort of sneaky points to whatever to, or try to manipulate the conversation in such a way to either make the person nervous or he basically either wants to make the other side look stupid, crazy, or uninformed or some version of the three. So, hey, Aaron. How's it going? Welcome back. So, who had too much action? I don't know. Did I miss something? Much like Dan's reception last week. Yeah, my reception was terrible last week, you know, because Cox Communications stinks, and I can't wait. It should be less than a month now that I might be able to upgrade to fiber, and I'm going to be so happy when that happens. <laughs> anyway, so... A lot of stuff I wanted to talk about. It, it's interesting. You know, you, you look at the, the elections yesterday. Of course, we had the, the best news, which was Madison Cawthorn losing in the primary. Um, people are calling it a rare Trump loss, but I'm wondering, is it a big Trump loss, too? I mean, he's one of Trump's most staunch vocal supporters. And for him to go down like that, <laughs> if you've seen the video, that might be a pun or whatever, um, Madison Cawthorn had too much action. A lot of people have said Madison Cawthorn have, uh, may have pissed off the wrong people by revealing the sex parties. And, and they're like, well, don't ruin that for us. Because, you know, those Republican sex parties that he was trying to talk about, um, he, he, tried, he, he, he probably pissed off some of the wrong people. And those are the people that will preach sexual morality and then go in the back room and, and have an orgy. And then they'll get their mistress pregnant. And then if abortion is illegal in their state, they'll just ship the person off to some other country, a little vacation, a little medical vacation. There you go. So that's what happens. <laughs> um, but the Pennsylvania um, 
results were interesting. The the fact that John Fetterman won solidly. Um, I guess he had the right stroke. <clears throat> Hope he's feeling better. Um, but you also have this really close race between Mehmet Oz and Dave McCormick in the Republican side. Now, one thing that's interesting is that I live in Louisiana. Louisiana has open primaries for um, – so we, we, wouldn't, we don't have party primaries for Senate or House or whatever, anything. We just, the only time we have a party primary is in the presidential elections. Everything else is done as an open primary. Everybody runs in the same thing, and then the top two advance to the runoff if nobody manages to get 50% plus one. And I think that's a better way to do things. Now, the people who usually hate that the most are the establishment people in the Republican Party and the establishment people in the Democratic Party. So maybe that tells you that it's probably a good thing to have it if both of them hate it. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm a Democrat. I will vote Democrat. I, I vote Democrat all the time. But sometimes the party in and of itself ticks me off. And it is. Wait, sorry. That's, Don, that's Donald's line. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Uh, let's see, Julia. He definitely did. I think his own party took him down. I love the thought of Republicans eating their own. That might be happening in those orgies, too. Hey, oh. <laughs> anyway, but the Republican primary is a lot more interesting. And in the fact, you have, you know, stockers and Wall Street executive, super rich Dave McCormick going up against Mehmet Oz. Currently, according to the New York Times uh, website, uh, Oz is winning by 0.1 percentage points, uh, 1.2 thousand, a little over one point. A little over 1,200 votes Mehmet Oz has now, and it's probably going to be going into a recount. But there's no – see, if there was a runoff, you wouldn't have to worry about the recount. You could just have a runoff. But, you know, what, what is it, Donald? It is what it is. Thank you. Uh, but what the interesting thing here is that, you know, Mehmet Oz was the endorsed candidate of Trump. Weirdly, I don't understand that. I don't understand why. But Kathy Barnett – was the real Trumper. She's the one who is far out into Looneyville. Um, and she, one of the things she talks about is how her mom, I think, was raped at 11 years old. And I guess, quote, chose. I don't know how an 11 year old can choose uh, to, to gestate the term. I mean, it's, it's a dangerous situation for an 11 year old to be pregnant. And the idea that these people support that as being a good idea, you know, it, it was very dangerous for her mom to, to have done that. And if it was forced upon her, it was very dangerous for them to force that upon her. But, you know, she is the extremist right man. She got a quarter of the vote, which is a lot of it, which is a good chunk, at least a quarter of the Republican vote. But I have a strong feeling that if she hadn't, hadn't run, that Oz would have run away with it. Because Oz would have gotten all those Trump votes. But no, he didn't because Trumpers had somebody that they really. So, I'm, I'm, so there's two things to consider in that if you look at the total amounts of the votes that have showed up in both the Democratic and Republican primaries, the Democrats had less people showing up than the Republicans. However, the Democratic contest was not as advertised as well. You didn't hear about it as much because they didn't have Mehmet Oz in it. Uh, the the uh, Republican Party is, has, is, has the big, two big names where, I mean, I've heard of Conor Lamb, I've heard of Malcolm Kenyatta, I've heard of John Fetterman. So, but I, th I think John Fetterman may have very well been the 
extreme favorite in that one. So maybe people didn't feel like they needed to come out as much, but it, it's just mildly concerning, I think, to me that in the primary, you have the Republicans showing up more than the Democrats. That needs to be rectified in the general election, clearly, uh, because that, that, that we, that whoever winds up getting it, either Oz or McCormick, needs, they need to lose. And we need to make sure that uh, Pennsylvania stays blue and that uh, other places gain blue as well, like in Florida. I think there was some, somebody was talking about the numbers earlier today. Like, I think there's 5 million more Democrats in Pennsylvania than Republicans, at least registered. And you do have independents as well. So they're not included in that comparison. But the fact that you have 5 million more Democrats than Republicans, yet Biden won by, so, by like 80,000, that's, that's, that's too close. And we need, things need to get up. And uh, people also need to understand as I've said many a times on this show, you can lose rights in off-year elections. You know, the, some of the worst harms that have been done to the electorate, to the voting, to voting rights has been done because people never showed up for the off-year elections. They only showed up for the, you know, the main ones, 2008, 2012, you know, 2010. They never didn't show up. The Republicans swept everything and were able to take control of state legislatures all over the place. Uh, let's see. Um, so there's that. So that's, that's an interesting, uh, subject. I know there are other elections as well. I don't want to focus, uh, too much time on it, but I do, let's go ahead. I don't need to moisten the, the, the throat a little bit. So let's go ahead and go ahead and take the first commercial break. It's short. Uh, we'll come back. We'll play some of the clips, take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. 
talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat, and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Now, I've been playing that Deminox commercial, I think, for more than a year now. So I think it's time for not only a, uh, a new commercial, a new, com- a new, new episode of the uh, World According to Knox, but I also think it's time for new commercial as well, maybe, once you, when you do launch the show. Or at least stay at season three. I don't know. Anyway, so shout out, shout out to the first Liberal Dan Radio patron, uh, Devin Ox. Also shouts out to Cesar, uh, your boy Chris, um, and Angie from across the pond uh, for all supporting the podcast. And yes, we do need to form Voltron. And one of these days, we're going to get together and put everybody on the show again, and it's going to be the three of, or three or more of us um, forming Voltron and making sure that we have a. Uh, a good fun show. The, the first example of that was, or the best example of that was when we were talking about Wall Street bets. And I'm going to get a little bit, remind me if I don't say anything about it during the, my capitalism rant, because that's going to be part of it uh, as well, because I was, you know, watching the MSNBC uh, thing on Wall Street bets and it's, it's enough to, to piss you off. <laughs> so about how the system is rigged. Anyway, so also shouts out to my little brother, the host of the most Nimbus Yosh with the smooth sounds of the Percy podcast. Hopefully he will be making a podcast tune too. All right, now of the Voltron folks, I'm the one who's holding down the fort. Uh, that's fine. I have, I'm pretty meaty. I can hold down the fort. One thing I do, one thing, spoiler alert, uh, Liberal Dan shirt, uh, Demonox and uh, Sadie Sins, the other half should be getting one of those in the in the mail soon liberal day and radio on the front mine says host theirs is going to say og there's no more ones that are going to be made with og beyond the ones that i'm making in this run uh however uh, until i cut it off until i cut cut off that um and also it says master debater on the back until i cut off this 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 special what i'm going to say is if you if you if you subscribe to the liberal day radio patreon or patreon page for at least the five dollar a month uh, cost, if you're if you stay for over a year, you'll probably going to be asked what your address is, so I can send you one of these shirts as well. 
So I'll need your address and your shirt size. So if you want one of these shirts, you can go ahead and, and the, the black with the gold is going to be cut off. And once I cut it off, no one else is going to be able to get one. Um, and then it's going to go revert to a, other, a white shirt with the regular logo. So, hey, Kinky Streets, welcome back to Liberty Radio Talk to the Left. That's right. Uh, glad to have you back on as well. Again, everyone, remember, if you like that Madison Cawthorn Lost, like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. Um, so COVID uh, in, the, in New Orleans, I think the numbers have jumped up um, at a rapid rate. And we're about two weeks out from Jazz Fest, which tracks, makes sense that we would start seeing numbers spiking as the Jazz since Jazz Fest was about two, two and a half weeks ago. So it makes sense. That, that should, that's around right. You know, it's, it's completely understandable that that's what we're seeing right now in New Orleans. So right now my wife's at a concert. She's at like the New Kids, Salt and Pepper, Rick Astley, um, and Vogue. I don't know who else. I don't know who else is in there besides those. So she's out there with her friends, and I'm doing this, um, which is fine. I've, I've seen most of them already. Uh, maybe it would have fun to see see Rick Astley since you know he's never going to give you up or or let you down or run around and desert you. But um, now she's out there. But she brought a mask today because they said maybe it's time for people to start voluntarily indoor masking at this point. Um, of course, my kid had a close contact, and then he winds up being sick. Uh, however, the doctor today didn't seem to think that he had COVID, which, you know, thank you. I mean, he's fully vaxxed, so that is a good thing. Um, but, again, people are – if we would have had a president that would have taken this whole thing seriously from the first, we might have come out of this much better than we did. Uh, but, you know, there are people who are not going to listen. There are people who are not going to care. And, and, and there are some people who will say, look, I've, I've had enough. I've, I, I've done, I did everything right. And if you don't want to get the vaccine and if you don't want to do the right things and you're going to put yourself at risk, then why should I worry about you anymore? And there's a valid point to be made about that. It was shown that uh, in those districts, like the red counties, you wound up having like five to one Democrats or five to one Republicans to Democrats dying from COVID. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect the 20, the 2022 midterms. Uh, Bill Deacon, we had a boatload of COVID that came from my IBW national convention here in Chicago. I'm not surprised. Aaron West, only two counties of a hundred are spiking in NC and one of them is mine. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not, I mean, I wore a mask to the doctors cause I took part in the Novavax trial. So I wore, I had to go get my blood work or get my blood taken so they could test to see how my antibodies are looking, I suppose. And uh, I chose to wear a mask and, and three of the adults in the, in the, in the office, in the waiting room wore masks. Uh, this other woman and her three kids came in and none of them wore masks. And I was like, are we supposed to be wearing masks in the doctor's office? And they said, no, we, it's just voluntary. I'm like, great. That's just what we need. Um, but I know like for, the week, the first or the first weekend, first, maybe it's the second weekend, the second weekend of July, I'll be going on a cruise. And I know for two weeks prior to that, I'm going to be locking myself down. I'll do my shopping like two and a half weeks before, and I'm just going to stay in my house and do nothing to make sure I don't get sick. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to, only time I'll go out is to get tested for as required by the cruise line and to go on the boat. Cause I'm not risking that. I've, I've spent two and a half years, doing the right things and I need to have some fun. Gosh, darn it. 
Um, anyway, so I hope things will settle down in time for NKOTB to be here in uh, North Carolina. Nice. Well, hope so for your, for your sake as well. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about it before the election, you know, I want, need to throw the election stuff in. And of course, there's your COVID reminders. Um, well, actually, first, let's before we do all that, before we get into the talk of of, the, of uh, capitalism and you know some of the issues with, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily late stage capitalism or not, but um, and I'm not going to sit here and you know, to me, pure capitalism is bad uh, because it requires pure altruism and pure socialism is probably also bad because it requires pure altruism and nobody's really calling for pure socialism. We talked about labels last week, the, the uh, Bernie Sanders who was considered to be extremely to the left in this country is would probably be a, a center left moderate in England or over in Europe. Um, I don't know about England, but over in Europe, definitely. Uh, so, so the idea of wh- wh- where people lay on the spectrum, you know, not, there are some people who would probably love to have pure socialism in the country, and you know it's their right to believe that. But you know, there needs to be a good mix. I think there are certain things that I think are fine for capitalism, in in, in some instances, some things capitalism just ruins altogether. Uh, we can talk about that. But let's go ahead and play the our, our clips that we like to play, including the uh, this week's uh, words of redneck wisdom. And now, Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Oh, I'm just disgusted, Jeff, this world. I watched this Durham situation. He's part of the treason train. You know, let them know that they're all going to pay. You know, I've got a million ideas, Jeff. Always have, always will. I don't know what to do on this situation. More yes, I do. Maybe we should have a July 4th party. We had a walk on Washington. Let's have a walk on the United States on July 4th. Everybody get in their car and head to your state capitol. You won't get far because every road will be so full, millions and millions of people doing the same thing. Pack your trunk, bring your 20-gallon gas tank so you can keep some air running when it's important, and your picnics. And I'm sure neighbors and people all the way up the road will take care of you, and we all need to participate. We're showing up at our capital to fire the individuals. We don't care about evidence. We don't care. We see what's going on with the United States, so let's clip off the top 25% of the idiots and start with who's next. We are patriots. We need our voices to be heard. And because we're all little people and they know they, you know, I keep hearing people say, call your senators, call your governors. They won't return my call. 15 years. You, it's useless. They know the game they've created. It's manipulation to the top of the point. America is falling apart, and I do not want to see destruction. And what does revolution look like in 2022? Literally. I mean, I don't even think we want to consider it. I think it's time for a national referendum. We want to vote on every individual who's in a position of public use right now. And you need to be judged on your character and what's going on in your life and how much money you've made. And it's time to be fired. We the people run this. I like the idea of, hey, let's send a question out on MySocialSecurity.com. We have that. It's available to us. Everybody with a Social Security number is eligible to sign up and be a participant right now. And I already know you can be questioned through that because they don't want to talk to you on the phone. It's time someone comes up with a great idea. It's time that we're heard. It's time I preach to a stage of millions. 
And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Den Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I think my favorite part, I had to isolate this audio, I think my favorite part of, of that clip is this. We don't care about evidence. Yeah, pretty much. That pretty much sums up conservatism and their crazy theories in a nutshell. We don't care about evidence. I will be using that clip a lot, I think. Because holy crap, they just want to lop off the top 25%. We don't care about evidence. If, if you listen to the podcast previously where I, where I did a kind of a deep dive into the mind of an unhinged Republican or unhinged conservative, that's the guy that I did. He's just a treasure trove of horribleness. Um, he has a hundred. He has a million ideas. Always have. Always will. That's probably because his ideas are not good. Um, he wants to talk in front of millions of people. How? Um, I, I do notice that I had one thing. I think I had an effect on him because previously he was saying that we should seize Facebook, and after and, and seizing Facebook, and then we should use Facebook to allow Americans to vote on every single issue possible. Um, and I pointed out to him that that would be socialism. And then I pointed out what, later that he was wrong on his definition of socialism. I think he moved away from it because I think he realized that what he was actually suggesting was socialism, which is hilarious considering who that is. Anyway, it's always fun to, to bring up the unhinged uh, individuals as well. Uh, they always make good content for words of redneck wisdom. Um, let's see, back in the chat, Bill, I'm pretty sure I had it back in January 2020 before we knew what COVID was. I'm also fairly certain that I had it back in January of 2020, late January 2020. I, I'm very, very sure that that's the case. Uh, I'm not 100%, but I'm, I'm very, very sure because when I went to go to the doctor because I was feeling like a truck hit me every day, like I would go, I would feel terrible. I would get better over the course of the day, and then at night, I would just feel like crap again. So after a couple of days of that, I just went to the doctor. I'm like, what's wrong? And not even seeing that it could be COVID uh, because look, there wasn't many known cases back at the, at the time. We didn't know how much it already had spread in the country. And the doctor told me, you don't have the flu, but it's viral. I'm like, hmm, it's not viral, I don't have, but it's not the, it is viral. It's not the flu. And what else? What else? Uh, oh, I, I, it was all lower respiratory. It wasn't a lot of upper respiratory, which is what the original strain did to you. I'm like, I may have had COVID, but yeah, I've had two Novavax shots and the booster. And as far as I know, I haven't had it either um, since getting vaccinated or since, you know, that time being sick and not really knowing for sure if it was the Rona or not. Um, I know my wife during the, during that week was, staying as far away from me as possible and I don't blame her because I was miserable and even more miserable than a guy usually is when guys are sick and guys get miserable and just run ball and do nothing um you have been vaxxed always wore a mask use loads of hand sanitizer only went to store for two years still caught COVID twice that's because everybody else around you is probably being stupid because that's the thing we wear masks mostly to protect other people around us not to protect you um now the better the mask, the more protection it offers the wearer, sure. But uh, that's the one thing that conservatives could never get. They could never understand. 
um, is that they don't know. They, they don't understand how masks work or how science works for that matter. Uh, see, before, I'm just going to hammer out the other bit while we're at it. I should have played it when I was talking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Again, if you're, if you're uh, all, living alone has its benefits. I saw some people on, on Twitter the other day um, loving the fact that they could live alone um, beyond just the benefit of not having less vectors of transmission to get you sick. Um, but they're like, when I don't want to deal with anybody, I can just lock the door and I don't have to deal with anybody. Uh, so there's, there's positives there. Of course, there are clearly negatives as well. Um, but again, for, if you weren't here when I announced this before, tomorrow, probably around seven ish, I will, and, and if it's, and if it's, and if, and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm online and if Hal is already online or is currently doing a show at seven, I don't know. I forget when his show. I think he ended at seven. It might end at like. So if he, I'll probably start pretty much like a couple of seconds after Hal ends, if Hal's going tomorrow night. So, because, you know, I want to do my stuff, but I don't want to be stupid about it. I know I have, we have joint listeners and a lot of my listeners are coming from our sparklers as such as myself. And so I want to give everybody more opportunity to join in. So I'll probably, I'll probably start right after Hal's show. If Hal does a show, otherwise it'll be around seven. So. Jolie asked my doctor when I should get a booster. He said, you've been boosted twice. Pretty much my son, my youngest son did get COVID and he, it didn't affect him at all. He was bouncing off the walls while he was quarantined. But when he had the, the close, um, close, the most recent uh, close call of his, because he had had within 90 days of having the infection. Yeah. He didn't have to worry about it because he was super boosted, I suppose. So yeah, let's see. Introverts peak during COVID, peaks outside, sees nobody, we, runs around the empty streets. <laughs> Was that a pun, Seminox? Introverts peak, or introverts are at their peak during peak COVID, peaks outside, peak, peak, peak. Anyway, sound like a Pokemon, Pikachu. So, but yeah, so tomorrow the topic is going to be a video that um, Stephen Crowder posted where he interviewed people, and I'm going to be making, doing a reaction video live and if you can't watch it if you don't feel like watching that much youtube in one night i'll make sure to always save it to the playlist so you can always come in after the fact and watch it after the fact because it's i mean i will have some interaction i'm not going to do it as a podcast i'm not going to put it on blog talk radio it's only going to be on youtube so if you do want to chat you know there there will be the chat room there uh but you know he did ask people about you know roe v wade and how they feel about it just to kind of like what do you think roe versus wade getting overturned does try and catch people in it. And then he tries to be disingenuous with, you know, his facts or whatever. But we're going to go into that. We'll, we'll go into that tomorrow. But uh, the hypocrite of the week is kind of related to that. And here's why. This week's hypocrite of the week is the Supreme Court. In McCollum versus Coakley, they defended the right to free speech by eliminating a Massachusetts law that would keep a 35-foot buffer zone around abortion clinics. After Alito's draft was released publicly, the Supreme Court has erected a fence, making a much larger buffer zone to protect the nine justices. What's good for me and not for thee, that, my friends, is hypocrisy. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And there you go. 
Supreme Court guy. There was another one that might have uh, gotten it as well, but not, it wasn't Supreme Court. That was going to be it this week. Um, I'll have to make sure to find more ways to get Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell in as a hip, because he needs to he needs to keep his title as hypocrite of the year last year. So um, that's too early for another break. So we're just going to go on and just trudge right on forward. Uh, and and talking the main reason I wanted to have the show, the main topic I wanted to talk about in the show was. Uh, the problems in society that are being revealed with capitalism, with, via capitalism, the, the, the uh, capitalist system that we have and how it's failing many different people. Uh, and we're going to go, and if you have examples in the chat, we can go over that as well. Just post your examples in the chat, but I'll, I'll be going over a few off the top of my head. And the, one of the ones that stands out is the shooting. Uh, the shooting in, in the Buffalo, New York. And there are several examples of where capitalism has failed, failed us in, in this particular case. First of all, uh, capitalism, you know, the NRA, National Rifle Association, is not an association that protects gun rights. If it was a purely gun right organization, it would have not supported uh, Ronald Reagan when he, in California, back when he was governor of California, uh, the, when he was trying to disarm the Black Panthers over there, they, they, they would have supported the Black Panthers' right to bear arms. But they're not about gun rights. They're about enabling gun sellers. The, the capitalism system, capitalistic system that's involved in the mass marketing, mass producing of <clears throat> weapons in this country, uh, and the lobby of these corporations, and of course, the, the lobbying that, on, that happens on the part of every corporation, that to try and benefit themselves and make sure that they're as little regulations on them as possible. But the, but the NRA and the gun manufacturers stand out because they're like, look, second amendment, ignore those first four words, but second amendment, ignore the well-regulated militia part. Look at the last words, not the first words. And it get harder and harder to prevent people from getting guns who shouldn't have people. And in this particular case, it's somebody who really, there should have been a, a, big red flag when he went to go purchase a gun. There should be a huge red flag. I said, nope, you know what? This person has had some troubles in the past. We cannot let him do that. We cannot let him buy this gun. And maybe that would have saved some lives. But there's another issue of capitalism when it comes to um, Buffalo shooting. Is that the other situation in Buffalo you, and this happens a lot in many cities. It's not unique to Buffalo, but they basically would build a highway right through the city and basically separating uh, the black area from the other areas, from the white area or whatever. So that for a long time didn't have a supermarket. And I think in the 80s or something, maybe in the late 80s, maybe late 80s, early 90s, they finally opened that supermarket in that area. It's the only supermarket that exists in that area. And so, because and if you if you can't go to that supermarket, and you're in a poor area of town, the likelihood of you being able to get to a different supermarket is slim to none. So you then create a food desert if that store is ever closed. What happened? The store closed, has to be closed because it was an active crime scene because they're doing investigation. So people who needed food couldn't get food. There were people calling on Uber to give free rides back and forth, and that's fine. That's a good temporary solution. But in reality, 
why should one neighborhood only have one supermarket? I think there's there's a in New Orleans East here. I believe for a while they didn't have a hospital in New Orleans East. You had to travel a long way. New Orleans East is probably one of the poorest parts of the city, if not the poorest part of the city. And so they're so they're less likely to be able to travel to places where they need to go. So you don't want to create food deserts. And what would be better if you had instead of one big grocery store, maybe there should be seven grocery stores. Maybe they don't all have to be big. Maybe they could just, you know, have several stores around so you don't have a single point of failure in that community. And that's going to be my theme. Uh, that's going to be my theme a lot for the show. Let's see. Boom, boom, boom. I should be punished for my trying to pun. Peaky virus. Capitalism is disease. Demnox. LLC. Shell companies buying off homes left and right. That's another thing. Remind me to get on that, uh, Demnox, because that's affecting everybody, especially people who rent. Um Massachusetts regulators have said LLCs make it most impossible to hold bad landlords accountable. Um, Tiki Street, I like a capitalism when it's highly regulated. Yeah, there, there needs, there's the amount of regulation that needs to take place is not high enough, as I feel. And there are some things where it maybe shouldn't even be dealt with in capitalism at all. That some things just should be left. Like I've talked about how the electricity grid, the grid in and of itself should not be dealt with in capitalistic, capitalistic means. I used to tout the Texas grid as an example of, of good. Uh, I, I still believe the general idea of having of, of this, the municipality or the state or whatever controlling the grid and then allowing different energy suppliers to supply energy over that grid. Uh, now, don't do it in the way Texas did it by re- removing yourself entirely from the grid and you start not hooked into the national grid because that was stupid. But in generally speaking, the, it, it would be better if a municipality control the grid and then there's no profit motive when it comes to whether or not you fix the uh, fix the infrastructure um, monopoly of electric should be municipal yeah I mean I don't necessarily care if there's I mean if there is going to be a monopoly it should be the it should be the municipality owning it and not a for-profit company just sold on, on the stock exchange but in reality, you know, fine if you want to have several energy companies. Maybe some energy companies will create green energy, and then if you want to buy green energy, you can buy green energy from the grid, and then that company will put so many kilowatt hours onto the grid that you've paid for it. Maybe you pay a little more for it. Maybe you pay whatever. Whatever you pay for it, I don't know. Um, pure capitalism is leads to monopolies. Pure capitalism is bad for the consumer, in my opinion, simply because of the fact that you know the idea of what what a what a what a business owner wants to do in that sort of market is they want to, you know, get it, as much of the market as possible, and corner it, and then make it impossible for anybody else to enter the market by using economies to scale or whatever. You know, you make it so that you're the only dog in town, and then if somebody tries to get it, oh, we're going to lower prices now, or we're going to make it impossible for you to compete. You get trounced. They go back up in price again. Lather, rinse, repeat. So that's why we're supposed to have regulation and busting up of monopolies. Uh, when they can't be regulated, they're supposed to be busted up. Um, but in reality, we don't do that either. So there's there's that. There's the whole um, that that one grocery store was 
I'm not going to use the word too big to fail uh, because it, it didn't fail. It just, it was just a single point of failure that made that it's closing down, turn it into a food desert, at least temporarily. So solution, you want more mom and pop stores. You want more, you want more. Okay. So, so if something happens to one of those stores, you have others to go to. It's not as painful. Look at the problems that people are having with formula. Now, I mean, I haven't, my, I'm so pissed off when I hear people, well, just breastfeed. No, that's not possible for everybody. My wife, for example, is somebody who did not create enough milk. Uh, it was, she maybe made a, a, ha- a quarter of a small bottle when she pumped. And so we had to use formula. We had to use a specialty formula for my youngest son because he was, had uh, had so he had a lot of problems at birth. He was just a grumpy, cranky baby. It wasn't it wasn't terrible problems like he had torticollis, so his neck was like this for a bit. He had he, he did a physical therapy to get it back straight. Um, and he was just a he. I think he had five teeth come in at once. He's just he was just a grump, grump baby. Like you would hold him, and he would just be like, eh. we have pictures of him smiling. We we're like, look, he's finally smiling. Even one time, I remember this was so. Cute. Uh, we were watching old videos, and, and he was still grumpy at like two, two and a half, still talking, but he was just a grump. And he knew he was a grump, and he, he was excited because he saw a picture of himself on Facebook that we were looking at, and he was excited because he saw himself smiling. Like, look, I'm smiling. smiling. It was very cute. Anyway, so, but yeah, if you have, there are many valid reasons to not use breast milk. And the fact that you had this huge facility creating breast milk. I mean, there's the, they're going to make arguments that would say, well, more efficient if you have one facility than five. Well, it's more efficient until you lose that one facility. If you lose that one facility and you're, making, you're only making it in one facility in the country or whatever, however many you have, the, the production in that large facility goes away, you've increased, you crazily drop the, the availability of the available formula or any other product that we're talking about for that matter. So if you would have smaller, whatever the outbreak was this one, I know in Bluebell it was Listeria. So if one of them had a problem, the other they could fix that problem while working on the other four. And maybe they could crank up production of the other four to make up for the one that's lost at the five. Let's say you had five instead of one. You crank up the production on the other ones, you don't see that much of a difference in a drop of supply. So therefore you don't have as much of a panic because a lot of this is probably panic over what they might not be able to get if they can't rectify the situation soon enough. Um, so I'm trying to read this, read the script. Let's see. Capitalism is specifically founded on imperialism, business without morality. I mean, yeah, you have the, you have the whole idea of the, the conservatives love to pleasure themselves with the invisible hand. Uh, that that's they they just love to talk. About, oh, the invisible hand of the market will fix everything. No, it won't. The invisible hand is not bringing a formula to the babies who need formula in areas that don't have formula right now. The invisible hand isn't stopping people from hoarding formula and then trying to sell it. The invisible hand isn't isn't stopping people from scamming those people. Say, oh, I have this. Here's a bunch of formula you can order for me. You can just give me money pay me money. Oh, I'm, I, I'm not giving it to you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to give it to you. 
Um, just like the opposite of DMX, he's not going to give it to you. So, again, but with Abbott, with their big facility going down because of a bacterial issue or some, some contaminant issue, you then severely reduce because then you shut down a bunch of the supply, a bunch of the manufacturing capability. Whereas if you would require it to be split up, one plant closing wouldn't be the end of the world. But there's also another thing with capitalism is that the Keynesian quote, where in the long term, everyone's dead. I'm 99.7% sure that that's accurate. That's a keen statement. In the long run, everyone's dead. Or maybe I'm paraphrasing it, but basically that's what he said. What's the issue there? It's that the people who are in charge of these corporations don't care about the long term. That's what you don't think. A lot of people are saying, well, that just makes him a bad businessman because he ran them into a ground. Well, maybe it's very quite possible that he's a bad businessman, or he just understood how he could how he could just raid a company for all of the money and then just let it rot because he no longer has any responsibility with it. He could just let it die on mine for all he cares. He already got, he already cashed out. When you have so so the so the people at Abbott what is their incentive to spending more money to prevent bad things from happening, prevent these material uh, contaminants from entering the formula and shutting down production? Well, what is, well people say, well, well, they don't want to lose, they don't want to lose uh, money, revenue. But again, in the long term, everyone's dead, so they don't care about long-term revenue. Abbott could sit there and, you know, the, the president, they could all get their millions and then the more money that they save not trying to protect themselves is more money that goes into their pockets. And if the business fails, who cares? It's just a pay, it's just a corporation. It's just paper. You could go and make another corporation and buy it up and do it again. Lather, rinse, repeat. What happened with the uh, Gulf oil well explosion, the uh, Deepwater Horizon? Uh, you had a situation where it could have been fixed. I think with a or prevented with a fifty thousand dollar part. I want to say I want to say it's fifty thousand. I don't think it was five. I don't think it was five hundred thousand. But a fifty thousand dollar part, if it would have been placed on the well, it could have either warned of what was going to happen or shut it down before it happened, protecting the eleven lives and the Gulf and, and not allowing all of that oil to spill into the Gulf. They don't want to spend that money. They don't spend that money. Guess what? That's money that gets to go into their coffers. That's money that gets to go into their dividends. That's money that gets to go into their CEO bonuses and their raises and their executive compensations. They're golden parachutes. They can, you know, have their million-dollar retire. They can just leave the company and, and then get millions of dollars as the way, on their way out the door as they leave uh, the, the company burning. But no, because they didn't want to spend the $50,000 up front because there's no – incentive for them to, to, to do so because they were busy making money hand over fist and shoving it all in their pockets, then what happens? 11 people died, and then you ruined a bunch of people's livelihoods when you got all that oil in the Gulf, and the Gulf seafood industry was hurt for years after that, and not just for the years where it was contaminated, but for years afterwards as well when people were questioning whether or not it was safe to eat Gulf seafood. Why? Because of capitalism. 
because capitalism encourages people to cut as many corners as possible in order to maximize their profits as high as they can. When you have to answer to your stockholders, over, and if you're more worried about listening to your stockholders than like government regulators, then you're going to have a problem. The people around you are going to have a problem. One of the things that came out of the hearings around the Deepwater Horizon oil rig disaster was that every single oil company drilling in the Gulf in their state-listed emergency plans that they submitted to the government on their operations, they all listed the same emergency person. You know what? The one unique thing about that same person that they all had, he was dead. So if they tried to call him in emergency, he wasn't going to, like, pick up his phone from his, from his crypt. Hello. Uh, I can't do anything right now. I've passed on. I've moved on beyond the mortal coil. Sorry. You have to get someone else. No, he's dead. So that shows you just how much they care about safety. And people were complaining, oh, we need to start drilling. We need to get back to drilling. Obama's terrible because he's cutting off drilling. Yeah, as well he should have. Obama should have cut off drilling until he could have been assured that they are operating in a reasonably safe and responsible way. You're never going to have 100% safety, no matter what you do. I could be sitting here at my computer typing during the day, writing, writing a piece of code, and I could slip off my chair and break my arm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But no activity is 100% safe. Absolutely not. But, you know, you could make it as safe as possible. And if you make it as safe as possible, then, you know, you, you make it less likely that people are harmed. Because that's the A number one goal of government is to protect people and entities from other people or entities. So if I have a business, you should be able to protect my business from other businesses that are seeking to harm it. If I'm a person, you have the authority as government to protect me from other people, to, to, either do, to do things either proactively or reactively to make sure that either I'm not harmed or if I am harmed, I'm, the person who harms me is punished. So the A number one goal of government. But for some reason... Well, we know the reason. It's greed, because these people end up making campaign contributions. These people end up, uh, these people end up uh, you know, lobbying the uh, congressmen and senators to make sure that they don't vote for this thing that's going to make it so they can't make as much money as possible. I mean, look at the oil companies today. They're making record profits, despite the fact that, oh, it's, it's so, so expensive, there's, there's the supply of gasoline or of oil is low, so we have to charge more. No, you don't. You don't have to take those big ex- – you don't have to stuck up billions of dollars in profits per company. You could – but it's not regulated. So there you go. So that's – you're going to have people who are going to be greedy, and greed is going to overtopple because people like to think the, – the idea of conservatism, one of the ideas, is they have this magical feeling that everybody is on the equal playing field. Well, they're not. You know, if the, if when it comes to oil, the, 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 if you have if no one else is going to give you oil, and y'all and every all the oil producers collude to not produce as much oil as they could, like Donald Trump helped them do during his presidency, they collude together to restrict supply. Then the customers are going to just pay a jacked up price, and the and the and the oil companies be like, oh, we're making money, and you. Well, you need a drive, don't you have to go to work every day so we can charge you more money for the gasoline because we can. 
of price elasticity of demand. Quick econ classification of the term means. Basically, a good is either price elastic or price inelastic based on how the price is impacted by or how the demand is impacted or affected by increases or decreases in price. So if if I have a good that's, let's say, gasoline. Gasoline is fairly inelastic. It's not completely inelastic. No, nothing is completely inelastic, but gasoline is fairly inelastic. I have a certain amount of miles that I have to drive in a day if I'm driving to work in a week, in a month, or whatever. I have to spend this amount of money, or this, I have to burn this amount of fuel to get from point A to point B every day. If that's the case, then if you increase the price of gas, if you double the price of gas, that doesn't change for me. That doesn't. That does that. I still have to drive to work back and forth every day. If I if I'm somebody who had to drive to work, I do have to drive the kids to school every day. So there's that. I have. I don't have the option to not drive the kids to school every day. So I drive the kids to school every morning. And guess what? If gasoline price goes up, I still pay that amount because I still have to make that drive. So in that case, the gasoline, at least the gasoline for those miles. The demand is price inelastic. Now, now a higher price of gasoline might make me say, oh, well, I don't want to drive to Florida on vacation. I might stay here on vacation. So in that case, there's some elasticity in there. Uh, elastic good would be like if, if you increase the price by double and, and demand decreased by like a half or whatever or more. That's, those are inelastic goods. The things that are not necessities tend to be elastic. Things that are necessities tend to be inelastic. So, little econ lesson of the day, I suppose. Let's see. Let's see what Demonox and Kinky Streets have been up to. Uh, regular business, gratefully agree. It's just that's the antithesis of capitalism, says Demonox, but it's not the antithesis to business. Uh, Kinky Streets have no issues with unions, strongly forced regulations. A free market is better than capitalism. Um, a regulated free market is better than, is, is better than capitalism, but unfortunately, if you have an unregulated free market, you end up with capitalism. You end up with companies that misbehave, that uh, corner the market on goods, that make it so that they're the only ones in town, and therefore, because it's not the free market that's good for consumers, it's competition that's good for consumers. Um, <laughs> we have a market where I live, it's called Wafart. Yeah, that, that happens. Uh Capitalist economy and free market economy are two types of economic systems, often in terms of used interchangeably, especially in casual parlance. But while they have overlapping qualities, the two are not responsible for the same thing. I mean, yeah, that's right. But a traditional economic system, command market system, market economic system, mixed system, four main types of economic systems. So sometimes the consensus is there are five types and three types. Most people that say they like capitalism with regulation essentially mean they like either a market system, which only exists in theory because there's always influence, or mixed. Um, not don't have any arguments with the point. So just remind me about the about rent or land. You know, I, I've I've talked about this before, I think. And I used to get I got a, a couple of text messages on uh, my phone about do you want to sell your house? At, and they listed my address. Do you want to sell your house? They're like, no, I have no plans of selling my house. And they're like, okay. And they just go on and about their day. And I'm like, what the heck was this about? And so turns out that you, know, you could buy, it's, it's public record if you own a house, 
because tax records are probably public records as well. And these people buy up these houses and are like, you know, buy up these lists or whatever and say, okay, well, let's see how many people want to leave. So there's cold call people randomly. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. A lot of times they'll look at um, tax sales or places that might be you know, late on their on their property taxes. So people who might be uh, having a threat that they might lose their house. So this guy will come in and uh, so, so these people will come in, I should say, and they'll try and make it make you a deal to get you out of your house because they want to buy up all this land. And by doing so, it's bad for the consumer. Why? Because uh, you're artificially restricting the supply of residences uh, so that the demand still is the same, but if the supply is restricted, therefore the, the amount that you can charge for rent goes up. And unless you have something like rent control, like a national rent control system, uh, I believe uh, Rebecca um, blanking on the last name right now, um, Aaron West, they sound like vultures. They do. And and the weird thing is I started talking about this, you know, on Facebook because I got the random call. And then all of a sudden I got these, um, I, I'm watching Facebook and all of a sudden I get these uh, short, these reels, the Facebook reels. It's like, hi, this is RJ Bates. Uh, you have a property for sale, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to, are you interested in buying it? Like half of them or half of the audio is people like flabbergasted that they would even bother calling them. Other ones is him showing people coming to an agreement with him. But yeah, he buys up these property. He either tries to, he either tries to buy it, to flip it or buy it to rent, to rent it out. Um, and uh, because again, he, he clearly is owning more property than he personally will ever use. And he's using it to, to generate more and more income, but as you know, and I'm, I had a show on the idea of if rent is theft or not, and I don't, I'm not there. I'm not at the rent is theft point yet, uh, but I agree with a lot of the points that the rent is theft people make. I think a lot of times when people make short slogans, rent is theft, that they really don't mean all rent is bad, but they mean that. No, the entire system is broken. You need to do something to fix it. So we're going to use a drastic-sounding thing to get your attention to get you to talk about the issues. And if that case, fine. I don't care. Um, I think there's always going to be a situation where people have to rent, short-term or long-term. Like there may be people who, uh, like traveling nurses, they'll need a place to stay somewhere. So, so they have to stay somewhere when they travel from place to place. Or you might have... Uh, folks who are in the military who might need to stay different places, and sometimes it's on base, sometimes it's off base. And if it's off base, that person is going to need a place to rent. Now, I had a neighbor who who bought who bought outright the house a couple streets, a couple houses down from us, and then he just ended up selling it, and it turned out really well. He did really well for themselves because the housing market is so bloated right now that when they between buying and selling, they probably made a nice pretty penny off of that, but. Um, it's probably not the case normally for the people who are serving the military. Um, however, again, the, so there are going to be people who need to rent, and that's fine, and they should be able to, but there are a lot of people who would buy if they could, but they can't because of two harsh realities. A, you have the situation where, uh, again, because they're buying off all the properties, it artificially reduces the supply of the houses, so therefore the cost to rent the houses is so high. Um, or whereas if, if they didn't, even the cost to buy it is so high. 
But if you buy up all those houses and hoard all the property, if the banks didn't do it, because the banks also do it, they'll buy it, they'll just sit on property, let it be unused. But the other thing is that if you want to rent someplace, most landlords want you to pay three times, want you to make three times the rent in order to live where you're living. And so that's usually not possible for people. So yeah, you're going to have the people who are on Section Eight who might be able to afford to those those places. Um, but anywhere else, you know, these people are not going to be able to afford to rent a place at least the size they need because the rent is too damn high. Let's see. Probably a slum. It's very well. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen his property, so I can't say if that guy's a slumlord or not. But um, Jolie, my sister is a total slumlord. He's a horrible human. I guess all the good genes fell on you, Jolie, right? Um, glad Jolie is here and not her sister, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and the problem, but and really the housing thing isn't necessarily what the main point that I was going to talk about, but it's just an example of how capitalism harms people in this country, making it having a profit motive to scoop up all those houses by creating that big profit motive to scoop up everyone's property and as and then rent it out for exorbitant amounts, and then people again. Elasticity. Maybe maybe they maybe they do make you know enough money, but barely uh, to be able to afford the rent, and then they don't have enough money to spend on other things that they might like to spend it on. Because a place to live is a necessity. So what is you know rent is probably going to be something that's one of those inelastic type goods. Now you might have situations where you get like you know multiple people living together in order to cut costs, save costs, etc. But and I know people who do, you know, they're in real estate. I know people who try and, you know, get rental properties. They do Airbnb and, you know, fine. I mean, I'm not 100% against Airbnb, but I'm against how, Air, like, the concept where if, if, if I want to, if I, let's say I want to, the concept of Airbnb was supposed to be, you go, I have a house, so I'm going to go on vacation. and my, So I'm not going to be in my house for a week. Instead of the house sitting there alone doing nothing, I can rent my house up to somebody else so I can make money while I'm on vacation. That's the idea. That's, that was the idea behind Airbnb. Now it's turned into a let's fix up these houses in bad neighborhoods, rise, raising property, uh, property taxes higher, raising property values to the point where the people can't afford to any longer pay for their property taxes. And then you force the, marginalized, force the already marginalized people out of their own neighborhoods because you've priced them out of their own neighborhoods. Because, because the cops are going up, so everything else is going up too. And therefore, they can't afford to live there. Which, and usually people who are poor tend to live closer sometimes where they're, to where they're going to live. Same thing with Uber and Lyft. Like I used to drive Uber and Lyft. They did full time for a while. and did well until they changed some of their policies. Um, it was a good in-between job to have. However, you know, Uber and Lyft was just supposed to be, oh, I, I'm going to be driving from this point to this point. I'm going to go to work. So instead of me driving to work alone – and not making money, why don't I drive to work and put my ride on, and, and, and then I will make some money on my way into, the, into work. Fine. Sounds good. Nope, but it's turned into something more than that. It's turned into, you know, people driving their own cars into the ground in many cases and not knowing how to do it, They're taking advantage of a lot of people who see it as an opportunity to make money. But I've seen the people operate doing Uber and Lyft. There's a lot of people who don't know how to do it, who don't drive smart, who don't know how to work the system to their best benefit. And because they don't know how to do that, 
they end up in a situation where they're not really making any real money on the whole thing. All they're doing is taking value out of their car. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say that I didn't have times where, where it was maybe I would have been better not driving, but there are other times where I'm like, look, okay, I, I made bank. Like I made $1,300 one day on, a, on one day during Mardi Gras. That was amazing. That was a great day, but that's never possible. It won't happen again. Uh, so man, it's another system where, you know, Uber being the biggest like t- taxi drug company in the world, and they don't even own a single cab. And the, but now apparently they're wanting to work with the New York City cab drivers because less and less drivers are wanting to work for them. And so they're giving the cab drivers in New York City a deal like, okay, well, you can come on our platform. We'll even let you d- deny rides, something that we don't allow our regular drivers to do. We just want to be able to add your cars to our fleet so we can have more cars available. Why does that matter? That matters because if you have more cars in the fleet, that means it's less likely to surge. So it's, you're going to get more business. And it used to be the idea that Uber and Lyft would love the idea that surge happens. Because if it's surging, then it's being high demand and they're making more money off of it. Well, no. Um, Uber has once said before, a long time ago, when I, when I was driving, that the ideal surge is zero. Because they want to make it so that they have an efficient system so where nobody has to pay an increased price. But if nobody has to pay an increased price, then that will disincentivize the drivers to come out and drive. Like, I, I'm glad I stopped when I did because this is the, the, the rules that they changed. And that's another thing. Conservatives like to talk about, oh, you know, the, the liberal, the, the, I mean, the, the labor versus the employer, the employee versus the employer. Oh, just negotiate a better salary. No. Many times, you don't have the power to negotiate something better. Like an Uber driver doesn't have the power to negotiate their rates. It's they're going to accept the rates that Uber gives them or they don't. So basically, it's like Empire Strikes Back. You go, Darth Vader shows up on Cloud City before Han Solo and Princess Leia join it, get there. Uh, and as they're going on, um, first – they're going to take Han Solo and give Han Solo to, to Bubba Fett. And that was a part of the deal. And Dr. is like, maybe we'll leave a garrison here. I'm maybe even getting the quotes in the wrong order or whatever. Pray I don't alter the deal follow up further. And then originally it was Princess Leia and Chewbacca was supposed to stay out of Cloud City. Then it was put Princess Leia and the Wookiee into my ship so we can leave. And that's, I think, when he said, just hope I don't leave. I could leave a garrison here. Uh, and and so it makes makes made it to the point where Lando just rebelled back against and helped them get away. But the point is is that Lando never had never had the over, the uh, the ability to negotiate with Darth Vader because Darth Vader had the Empire behind him. Darth Vader had the Force behind him. Darth Vader had all these advantages over Lando, so that Lando didn't have any didn't have the same weight, didn't have the same pull or in in the in the argument. So he had to basically deal with whatever it was Vader gave him. Now, going into, and I think this is the second week in a row that I've been talking about uh, government and and Star Wars. So, now, Uber is the Empire and Darth Vader, and the drivers as, you know, Lando and Princess Leia and Chewbacca. So, you can't just negotiate with what, you you just have to deal with with what happens. So, when I first started driving for Uber, for example, I got 80% of what the passenger paid less the booking fee. And the booking fee was paid for like insurance and stuff like that. So booking fee didn't go to anybody except for costs. 
So I kept 80, Uber kept 20 of whatever the passenger paid. And that was it. That was simple. If the passenger had a three-time surge, I made three times as much. Uber made three times as much. There you go. Then they changed it to where, okay, here's the driver's rate card. Here's the passenger's rate card. They're different. But if, the, if they still pay a three-time surge, then the Uber driver is still going to get three times his amount. But you're still not going to be getting the 80% of what the passengers make. So you're now making 80% of what the rate card calculation would be. Then they made it completely different where they – where they're only giving you a flat dollar amount on a surge instead of a multiplier, unless the trip was long enough and the passenger paid. They made it very confusing. And all you had to, all your, you basically were there going, this deal is getting worse and worse, like Lando said in Empire Strikes Back. Meanwhile, Uber's like, pray I don't alter the deal further. So, yeah, so basically, Uber is Darth Vader <laughs> and not good for the peeps. So, nerdiness, yay. NerdyDan.com is my other website, by the way. I do have a gaming-type, pop culture-type stuff that I do. I'm, I'm NerdyDan.com everywhere, like NerdyDan.com on the non-website. Nerdy, the website is NerdyDan.com, but the username on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, etc. is just NerdyDan.com. <sighs> so I, I do talk about a lot there, but I like to mix my stuff from time to time. So there's that. Um, didn't give up the phone number recently, 914-803-4131, 914-803-4131. The chat's been rather quiet. So either everyone's really liking what I had to say and has no comments on it, or I put everyone to sleep with my nerdy commentary comparing Uber to the Empire. But all of the day, it's all about how... <laughs> yes, Aaron West, Nerdy Dan. I'm, I'm blank Dan pretty much whenever I do things, except for my budget ears thing. I'm not, bud, I'm not Disney Dan on that. I'm just, I'm just budget ears on that one. But I haven't done much with that in a while. I still have one, one more video to make that I, from our last trip. Uh, but like Nerdy Dan, Rideshare Dan, that's a thing that's on, on, uh, on, on, on that as well, RideshareDan.com. Uh, Rideshare Dan on YouTube. On on Facebook as well, I, I don't, but I don't use it much anymore because I don't, I haven't driven ride, excuse me, haven't driven rideshare since 2019, I believe, is the last time I did rideshare, like April of 2019. So it's been a minute since I almost drove two weeks ago because I had an insane, like if I did five rides, I would have gotten 200 bucks, but I was just too busy. It was Mother's Day weekend. Um, Surely. I just don't know anything about economics. Well, I'm hoping I can help somewhat. I mean, <clears throat> I've taken some economic classes and when I was in college, and I think that they stuck. Um, the one place you don't want to go to to learn about economics is anything conservative because they don't understand things. They don't like one of the conservative arguments, and I'm sure tomorrow when I when I I'm I'm pretty sure that at some point during the video I'll I'll I'll, I'll call my shot. I'll say that. Steven Crowder is probably going to make the argument that Planned Parenthood targets black communities by opening their Planned Parenthood facilities in black communities. And the reason they, they believe that, well, they, they want to make Planned Parenthood into the boogeyman and that they're purposefully targeting black people, A. But B, they also believe in supply-side economics. It's kind of the supply-side economics argument is like from Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Basically, the idea that if you if you put something in a place that's going to generate the demand, 
instead of the opposite way around uh, where you know, a business is not going to put, unless it's like a brand new business, like trying something out, a business is not going to just drop down into some place and say like, we're going to make them, we're going to make them like our stuff. No, they're going to do market research. They're going to do studies on where the demand for their services are the biggest, and they're going to move there because supply-side economics is full of bunk. It's not if you build it, they will come. Supply-side economics is a myth, just like trickle-down economics is. But I bet you that Crowder is probably going to make that argument uh, that uh, Planned Parenthoods open up in black neighborhoods because they want to target black kids and want to produce more abortions of black children, even though it doesn't make sense because uh, nine out of 10 black people are tend to vote for Democrats. And so why, what incentive would liberals have to target black children? Uh, if, if anything, we would want as many liberals as possible in order to overcome the ridiculousness of the Republican Party, except for the fact that most Democrats believe in body autonomy and choice and believe that you know, an individual should have the rights over their own body and what they want to do with it. So if an individual doesn't want to remain pregnant, it doesn't matter that it's one less potential Democratic voter. Why? Because it's the body autonomy that's the most important thing. Republicans just don't understand that. Conservatives tend to not understand that. Um, so, you know, we try to 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 bring it down, I guess, to a level that that trouble to make it as as. Well, I just realized something. I put Liberal Dan Radio five eleven up there, and it should be five eighteen. <sighs> that's why I need it. That's why I need more money. That's why I need more help with this show because I don't always I don't always miss. I, I sometimes miss the typos or uh, the uh, the numbering or I miss miss misnaming something or there's some goof that I make that could have easily easily have been caught by somebody else. But you know, as Donald says, it is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the um, next commercial break. Um, again, about three minutes or so, wet my whistle a little more, come back. Unless you have other stuff you want to talk about, I'll probably finish the show earlier than normally. I usually aim to have it only about an hour, but that hasn't been the case recently. But um, I do have to make sure to be off the show uh, before the concert ends so that I can go pick out my wife. But anyway, 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Greetings. This is Nemesis Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things. Political things. Nerdy things. Fun things. Not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? 
do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right, with the smooth sounds of Liberal Dan Radio. <laughs> anyway, voice host Dan Zimmerman coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. 914-803-4131. It's 914-803-4131. Uh, we used to, I used, when I drove Uber, I did have some people, um, I, would be in the, I would be in the car, and they're like, do you do radio? And I'd be like, well, yes, I have a podcast. Why do you ask? Because you have a really good voice for radio. And I'd be like, well, then the, then the joke would be, well, at least you're not saying I have a face for radio. Ha ha. Um, there was another guy, though, who was, who, who had a very radio voice. It was, it's almost like, you remember that the story where you had the guy that was homeless and uh, like he would come up to the car door and he'd be like, hey, this is so-and-so, whatever, bringing you news from blah, 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 blah. And he sounded like, you know, your stereotypical super news voice guy. Um, and, he, and he ended up getting a job because they put his, his stuff online and people liked his voice. Um, so this guy, his passenger of mine, had that type of voice where it was absolutely, he should have been on the radio, but he was never on the radio. He never did anything with his voice. I'm like, you should be on the radio. You have a voice for the radio. And then I think he said back to me, at least he didn't say I have a face for radio. So, <laughs> you know, wait, I, I scrolled down too far. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, um, it, Nimbus Yosh needs to get, get on the ball. I'm going to have to harass him some more to, to make another. He was, he was, the other day he was planning on making another one. And then it just, and then I think he got COVID again. Uh, he got COVID twice too. Uh, and of course, his boss again, again, one of the problems with capitalism. His boss was basically trying to convince him to come in, like when sick. I'm like, no, you should be able to stay home when you're sick. It's it's a responsible thing to stay home when you're sick. Why would you want other risk other employees getting sick because you brought this one 
person in on a day that they should have been off. But we don't do that in this country because we don't embrace public health well. (laughs) Profit is the most important thing. Who cares about the long term? As Keene said, in the long term, you're dead. So let's shove as much money out of these corporations as possible. It's like one of the board games I play is, is based it's like a train route game, but there's also a stock market. Uh, stock market, good. I remember I forgot I said that. A stock market part of it where, I mean, the, some of the goals of, the, of some of the game is basically raid the company for as much money as possible to give you as much money as possible. You know, how can you manipulate the system? One of the, one of them, one of the games even has short selling as a, as an, as an example of something you can do. And well, that brings us back to what I wanted to talk about earlier. And then, uh, actually Kobe is going to mess with Percy podcast, per- Percy's perfect podcast voice. I'll have to tell him you said that. Um, but I think if anything, it might make him a little more, a little more raspier. <laughs> so it might he might even sound a little smoother than than normal. Who knows? We'll see. But for a while, it really hurt his lung capacity. Um, Sorry, Dan, but you nailed it. And it's a failure of corporate leadership to know letting sick workers stay home is good for capitalism. It's well, it's good for the employees. It's good for the company as a whole. But so when it comes down to it, the owners don't care because the owners want to get as much money out of the company as quickly as possible. Because in the long term, they're all dead. Um, and that's part of the, and that's why you're able to do things like before we get to the Wall Street bets thing again. Uh, you know, just like you know, I was wondering. Again, we talked about this a little bit of how Elon Musk bought it and what and what what he was using to leverage or whatever. But like with KB, I, I compared it to KB Toys, and during the 2012 election, I was talking a lot about what um, Bain Capital did with KB Toys, since Mitt Romney was part of Bain Capital, and you had the situation where they put like maybe. 20 million down or maybe 2 million down, however much millions they put down, maybe like five, 10% of the company, maybe even 20% of the worth of the company uh, on the loan. And then the rest of it, the rest of the financing from the bank was used, was, was basically based off of the assets that KB toys had. So KB toys was worth X amount of money. The bank was willing to lend them X amount of money to be able to, uh, to be able to finance the takeover and whatever they were going to do with KB Toys. And what happened is, but the, but the person, the entity that took the loan out was KB Toys itself. The entity that was KB Toys, not Bain Capital. So what they were able to do is they said, okay, we're going to raid the company. We're going to take, to shake as much money out of it as possible. They were able to get like 10 times their return on their money by, by liquidating all of the assets. And then they let the company go bankrupt. So they no longer had to pay the debt. They couldn't pay the debt because you, you allow this fiction of a corporation to exist on paper and you shield uh, the people who are running the corporation from most, if not all, liability when it comes to these things, or at least financial liability. So they basically raid the company for all the money they can. It goes bankrupt. The bank loses money. Well, I'm not going to cry about the bank, but it's just a, a way that, that the rich can use to get richer. Um, and that brings us back to the whole Wall Street bets thing. Uh, let's see. Costco is a company that proves what's good for employees is good for the company. I agree, and that's why I try and shop at Costco as much as possible. Um, I do have a Costco membership. Uh, I buy my gas at Costco because it's cheaper there. Um, I usually try and make it so that I time my 
gas trips to when I have to go grocery shopping as well. It's not always perfect, but sometimes I'll buy other places. But normally I try and buy from Costco uh, whenever possible. They pay fairer wages than other places. Uh, they pay their people well. Then they it's a good corporate environment. It's, they, they have a better understanding of what you need to do uh, to keep your employees happy. They, they, they probably are one of the few companies that say, you know what, in the long term, we want to be alive. So therefore, we're going to act right. So, um, lost my train of thought for a second. Anyway, but back to the, uh, so we talked about the bank capital and the KB Toys thing, but back to the, the Wall Street Bets thing. I was watching this thing on Wall Street Bets, and it was going over, again, it was kind of a refresher course as to what happened, because I was following it very closely. I, I made a second half of a sea shanty that there was going around on TikTok. I added to the added to the song, or if you will, because sea shanties were a thing back in 2020, um, or they came back. They were, they were fun. Made a couple on my Nerdy Dan TikTok account. I think some of them are on my YouTube account for NerdyDan.com as well. Check it out. Um, so you uh, in a situation where one of the biggest things that that happened during this entire process was the price. To give, I guess, to give an explanation. All right, so a short sale. I have to give the short, short version of this because we've gone over this before. But just for anybody who's new and doesn't know, short sale means you're basically borrowing somebody's share, and then you're selling that share immediately with a promise that you will buy back the share later and give it to the owner and say, "Okay, I'm going to borrow your share. I'm going to sell it, and the promise that I'm going to buy it later." Now, the reason they they do this is because they think if you're if you're shorting a stock they think the price is going to go down so you sell you get to sell a stock of somebody else that somebody else holds for let's say a hundred and then you if it goes to five you buy it back for five you've made 95 bucks because you sold then you bought i don't know why this is legal some evil mad genius came up with the idea it, it, should, it, it should be just – but now there's, but there's things. So in reality, it's just a bet. It's a gamble. I think it's going to go down, so I'm going to do this. Or, or in theory, it's a gamble. In reality, it's usually not a gamble. It's I'm going to short this company because I think it's in danger. And then I'm going to put all these stuff out online that says, this is why this company sucks. You should sell. And the more people sell the stock, the, it tanks the stock price. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to sell my shares. I'm going to buy back these shares now, and I've made a whole bunch of money. Thank you for being my pawns in the system. So these people are allowed to work the system. So what happened with Wall Street Bets? Wall Street Bets says, we like GameStop as a company. We like AMC, a company. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't like the fact that they are trying to short sell these companies. So what are we going to do? We're going to buy, and we're going to keep buying, and we're going to hold on. We're going to try and grab as much of these shares up as possible because when other people are selling them, they're buying them up. And so the price is not going down. It's going up. So they, maybe they bought, maybe they sold it at 10. Instead of it going to five, it went up to 80. Then it went higher. It got all the way up to 420. There was a big celebration when it got to, somebody said, I think that, that, um, that GME GameStop is going to go, all the way to $420.69 because it was $420.69 and 
everyone was like, that that would be awesome if it ever if that ever happened. And it did. It got two four twenty sixty nine, excuse me. And even went higher than that. Now all this and AMC it happened with AMC stock too. AMC went up and up and up and up. And then it what happened? Well, Robinhood, where a lot of the people were doing their business, doing their sales, cut trade or cut buying. You could no longer buy these shares. You could only sell those shares. And everyone was pissed off. Now, the people who were on the Wall Street bet side said they did it to protect the hedge funds. Hedge funds said we had no part in it. Robinhood said the reason we did it is because we needed to keep uh, a certain amount of funds in the, as, as regulations require. So they were trying to hide behind regulations to do this, but regardless of if they were doing it to benefit the hedge funds that were losing money like crazy because the stocks that they shorted just all went up, they, or they did it because of regulatory issues, the net effect was because you could only sell, people were selling. So the price kept on going back down. Whereas there are people who truly believe, and I don't know if this would have happened or not, they believed that AMC, that, AMC, that GME could have gone up to $1,000 a share because at that point, the people who were holding, who shorted the stock, who would have to eventually sometime buy back, will eventually want to buy them back and have to buy them back to be able to return the stock back to uh, the, the original people that they borrowed it from. Another so 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 in, in, even even if the intent of Robinhood wasn't to protect the hedge funds, they had the result of protecting the hedge funds and hurting the little guys, hurting the retail investors who were trying to save these two companies or make some money, seeing what was going on because they realized something something else that's ridiculous was that like AMC and GME, they were shorted 140 percent, which meant that. People short-sold more shares than actually existed in the market. So how does that happen? How do you allow a system that allows for fake shares to be sold? short Like, you have to buy it. How do you buy 140% of the shares of stock? Again, that's another thing that these companies are able to do. I don't know why this bit right there, but... It's a thing. <coughs> it's a thing that um, lost my train of thought. Uh, so the, the people of Wall Street bets and all the people who were investing and you know got hurt because the system was is built and built around benefiting the hedge fund people and not the little guys. And they did not. They they were trying as hard as they could to make sure that the hedge funds didn't go belly up and they should have gone belly up because they made a bet and they lost the bet. Uh, and so they should have to pay up for their bet. And, and those stocks should have been allowed to keep rising and rising and rising to the point where the hedge fund people would have had to have eventually bought them. And then you would have a bunch of millionaires. Now let's see. 
Hey, Julie, how's it going? What's going on? Thank you for joining us. We're almost done. I mean, we might hang around if there's some more questions or stuff like that, but we're, we're finishing up the, the, the capitalism bad and the Wall Street, the Wall Street bets part of capitalism is bad. Um, but because they protected the wrong, they protected the, the big guys and the little guys, the little guys got trampled over. Now, Jolie says, I made $300 off a $20 investment at AMC One, sold quick because I'm a chicken, and was happy with my 300 See, here's what happened with me and AMC. I jumped in a little late, but I bought, like, I sold some. I made, like, $1,000. Um, uh, and then it, like, kept going up, and I was like, Ugh. And then it came back down. And then I bought. I bought $10,000, I think, worth of AMC. Uh, one more, like a Monday morning at like 8.30. As, as soon as I could, I bought like $10,000 of AMC because I had the money in my – I'd invested in other things. I'd sold out of other things to go buy. It's not like I had that much amount of my liquid. I had to sell other stocks to buy this stock. It went up to 22 or 21. I made $10,000 in four hours. I sold. I'm like, okay, then it went back down again. And I rebought, but unfortunately I didn't rebuy low enough. So I bought and then it went down a bunch. If I were to sell my AMC shares now that I still have with my diamond hands, um, you know, I probably would, it would probably be a wash. The amount of money that I made on it previously um, is going to be offset by the amount of money I've lost on it. But right now it's just paper losses and not really real losses. So maybe it started going up a little bit today. Maybe I was hoping that with the airing of the wall street bets thing, that maybe they would get some motivation or some, some, because it's still very shorted and there's still kind of that kind of back and forth there. And hopefully another short squeeze will come um, and bring us on into the sun or whatever. Um, And if another short squeeze happens, I might stand to make some more money on it, but if not, I'll probably break even. And then that'll be the end of it. And that'll be, I'll be sad that I, that I didn't make as much money. I have other investments that are fine, and I have to reinvest some of my money back into the, my 401k because I took one of those 401k loans. Um, but again, that's another example of, of capitalism, where they make the tax. But one of the things about capitalism, they make the tax system so difficult that your everyday average Joe can't do their taxes by themselves, or if, if they have anything weird, like. I could do my taxes by myself. I had nothing weird before I did the podcast, before I did anything, before I did any investing or messing around with investments. Yeah, I, I, I could do my taxes on paper and I did it fine. No problem. Didn't need any help with it. Um, but when I took out a, a 401k loan or a 401k disbursement because of COVID, that is special tax rules. And H&R Block, uh, allowed, the first year, it was included in the cost of the software, the how to claim the the first third of the money that you were going to write off and you would write off that money over the course of three years. Then what happened the next year, H&R Block was like, sorry, it's not free anymore. You have to pay 90 bucks just to add one more piece of paper to your, uh, to your stock, to your filing. So what did I do? I used H&R Block for everything else. I printed everything out. I then printed out the other forms that I would need to fill out and I did the rest of it myself, saving myself the 90 bucks. But I hate H&R Block right now. And if, when I can get out of it, when I feel comfortable getting out of it, I will use another tax service because once I'm done with all of this crap, I'll probably use another tax service because I was very upset. I was very upset with H&R Block. 
Anyway, um, I haven't gotten a message from my wife yet, but, I feel, but it's probably a good idea for me to head off of here early or earlier than I might normally do so. I, I do appreciate everyone joining in the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much again for joining, coming in after I'm, I'm probably sitting on sitting on YouTube watching Hal and me. Um, you know, hopefully you have a nice drink, some snacks next to you. Hopefully, hopefully I've given you more stuff to enjoy, and I hope this has been an enjoyable show for you. And remember, tomorrow, I'm either going to say it's either at seven, or if Hal has a show after Hal's show is finished, it's going to be one of the two. So I'm not going to take away from Hal's show. I don't want to, you know, do what Hal's doing. I don't want to go up against Hal by <laughs> stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I do want to make it so that you can watch both if that is your choice. Um, yeah, she's, I don't know if she's not done yet. They were having some technical difficulties earlier on, so they might have started late, which means I might have to be, it might be a late night for me as I wait, but I just don't want to, I don't want to have to like end the show super abruptly and go run to go pick her up from the concert. I want to be ready to go as soon as she's ready. Uh, thank you, Jolie, so much. Thank you so much. But again, but I hope to see everybody here tomorrow. If you if you have the time and the ability to do so, I hope to see y'all tomorrow as I go over the louder with Crowder, uh, as uh, as uh, people in up in Massachusetts might say, right, Demonox? Louder with Crowder. Uh, I, I hope to you know go over his video is about an hour. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to review it as I start and stop. It might take two. It might take more. I don't know. But I hope you join. Uh, me tomorrow as well. And again, if you haven't uh, subscribed here, please remember to subscribe to the, to the channel, like this episode, like um, you know other videos, go watch other videos as well. I appreciate y'all so much. It's awesome. Uh, Liberal Dan on Facebook at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, uh, also on TikTok. As, until next, until well, except for those who are going to be hanging around tomorrow, but on Blog Talk Radio. Until next week, when we have Hal coming back. Al is again coming back next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Then, thank you so much for watching. Have a good day.